Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. All right, well, good afternoon. So great to be with you. Welcome to today's installment of Calvary Live. Calvary Live comes to you every Monday through Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. And it is my privilege to host today and to uh, be the new host for Fridays here at Calvary Live. My name is Josh Sorensen, and I'm one of the assistant pastors here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. And I am with you in the studio broadcasting live here on Friday, April. Uh, it's not April, is it? It's, uh, it's, it is April, April 21st. <laughs> I'm not sure what day it is. It's been one of those weeks, but, uh, but I'm here at the Grace FM Radio Network studio. Uh, and again, we just love to kind of start out the show by shouting out all of those that are listening on the various uh, radio dials. So we have two stations here in Colorado. Uh, one of the stations also goes up into southern Wyoming. So those of you listening on 101.7 in southern Colorado, uh, which would be down there in Colorado Springs and Pueblo and Fountain, we just want to say hello to you guys. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Of course, those of you listening up in our neck of the woods here in northern Colorado, 89.7, uh, here in Aurora, the suburbs of Denver, all the way up through the Front Range, Longmont, Boulder, Greeley, again, into southern Wyoming, uh, so thankful that you guys are tuning in and listening. Uh, talked to a number of people here from our church at Calvary Church uh, in Aurora here that are often in the car driving and listening to the show. I'm always interested in finding out when and where people are listening. So a lot of people driving on the way home from work, picking up their kids from school. So just want to shout out all of you parents that are doing that right now as well. And of course, we have people listening live all throughout the nation on the Radio by Grace Network. That is 77 stations uh, throughout the nation, 40 different states. And again, we're so thankful you guys are part of Calvary Live. And then there are those who are listening a week delayed on Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock on the East Coast, up into Idaho. I know I've got uh, people, friends that are listening uh, in Philadelphia, New Jersey, Maryland, uh, even upwards of New York. So we're just so thankful that you guys are listening, and we want to welcome you to call us at this number, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. And of course, we do know and want to also shout out those of you that are listening live on the Grace FM app, uh, or if you're tuning in at gracefmcolorado.com, you can also get the free app there as well. Uh, so we have, again, access uh, for people to listen all throughout the world. We have regular listeners in the UK, and just wonderful uh, to have all of the, the reach that God gives us through Grace FM here. 
So again, welcome everyone to Calvary Live. Our number 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. We'd love to answer your questions about the Bible or Christian living or what does it mean to have a Christian worldview in the days that we're living and again, the world is just changing so quickly, and there's so much information out there. And I was thinking about this the other day with social media and YouTube. We just we have such quick access to information, um, but not all the information out there is going to be the right information. There's so many voices out there. And so for us here at Grace FM and Calvary Church, it's our desire for nothing else, nothing more, and nothing less to just hear the voice of God. And we know that we can hear God's voice because he speaks to us through the Bible. So that's our heart, to, to talk about the Bible, to talk about what the Bible says. Uh, and if the Bible doesn't say it, or if it's not clear, then, then we can express that as well. Um, and so, but the Bible does address everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. So uh, in addition to Bible questions or talking about these things, I also love this show particularly because I get the opportunity to pray for you. Some of you have called in that I've known personally through the church here. Some of you I don't know, but it's a wonderful connection as brothers and sisters to be able to pray for one another. And I've said this before, but one of the great joys about praying over the radio is that we get to pray and then have countless other family members, brothers, sisters in the faith, listening in and agreeing around the prayer with us. So on Wednesday, I was filling in for Pastor Ed, and we got to pray for various health issues and family issues for different people. Some of them came in by way of the text line. Uh, some of them came as call-ins. But it was just a privilege knowing it's not just me and you, although that would be enough because God hears your prayer just as much as he hears my prayer, but that we get to have the counsel of other believers listening in right now, agreeing and praying with us. And we believe that there's much power in prayer. Um, someone once said, with little prayer, there's little power. Uh, with no prayer, there's no power, but with much prayer, there's much power. I love that. And so just being able to pray with you guys would be a great privilege. And and honestly, as a pastor, uh, that that's my heart. My heart is for those of you that are listening to be able to minister on that kind of a level, of, of, to pray for you and, and hopefully to be an encouragement to you and a, and, and a comfort for you. And uh, and even for those of you that might need an, an exhortation or a word of correction, that's, that's kind of the heart behind this. It's very pastoral, and that's really the desire that we have. And I want to acknowledge as well that we know the audience that's listening in is varied. And so a lot of times when you guys call in with questions, we're keeping in mind that there are unbelievers that are listening that don't understand maybe some of the verbiage that we're using. There's new believers that are brand new to the faith that are calling in. And then there's a number of you that have been walking with the Lord for a very long time that know the word very, very well. And so if we answer a question and perhaps we didn't answer it to the degree that you wanted to, sometimes that's purposeful. Sometimes we do that because we, we, we want to keep the answer a bit more broad for the general audience. But I just want to say personally, I would love to continue the conversation if that's something that you desire. So I'm going to give you my email address here. And uh, if you would prefer to email me, you can do that. Pastor Ed is always giving out his email address. He, he, you're more than welcome to, to email him as well. But mine is simply Josh S., as in super. I'm not calling myself super. That's just the first word that came in. Josh S. at calvaryco.church. That's my email address. Josh S., 
at calvaryco.church. So feel free to reach out to me as well if we can further that conversation. Um, I do want to get to a question, uh, follow-up from last Wednesday. Again, I was filling in for Pastor Ed because he and a team of people from our church are currently in Israel. And if you have Facebook or Instagram, I encourage you to follow Pastor Ed Taylor because he's posting pictures continuously throughout the day and giving you kind of step-by-step of where they're visiting and what they're doing and the the Bible studies that they're having and the places that they're visiting. So uh, I've been loving following along with him. So I got to fill in for him on a Wednesday. Uh, and there was a question that came in, and I just wanted to add a little bit of clarity because I did get a couple of follow-up texts that I didn't get to on the show, and we're going to um, we're going to hopefully answer some of that now. Uh, but let me give the number one more time. We do have a brother calling in here from Greeley, Colorado. So we will get to you in just a moment. Josh, I believe your name is. Um, but for those of you that would like to call in, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Also, I don't want to forget to mention the text line that we have. If you'd prefer to text us, you can do that as well, because we've got a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week text line. And so you can text your, your prayer request or your question to 720-336-0897, 720-336-0897. So Josh and Greeley will be right with you. I just want to follow up. There was a question that came in last week, or I'm sorry, on Wednesday, and it was about the parable of the uh, the steward uh, from Matthew chapter 25, where the steward, uh, it, get, the, 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 the Lord, it says there, gives to his employees um, uh, talents, and those talents, he says, were given to them as stewards. So let, let me just very quickly sort of um, give a follow-up. The question came in, what does this parable mean? And so the, the, the parables that come are often, not always, but often difficult to interpret because certain Christians come from different theological bents. And this particular parable uh, is right in the middle of Matthew 24, 25. Uh, it's called the Olivet Discourse, where Jesus speaking here is talking about all of the events of the tribulation period, the seven-year tribulation period, leading up to the second coming. So in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, Jesus begins to answer the question. The disciples are asking, when is going to be the time of your coming? We want to know, when are you coming back, Jesus? Uh, and he begins to answer that question. And then in chapter 25, he moves into a series of parables. And I made a statement, and this was a couple of follow-up questions. I made a statement that it's hard to build doctrine on parables. Here's what I mean. The word parable comes from two Greek words, para, which means alongside, and balo, which means to cast. And so uh, the idea of a parable is to cast a truth alongside a circumstance or a human situation to help us understand it or to have greater clarity. And so it's hard to build doctrine on parables because, and, and, and when I say that, certainly doctrine is communicated uh, in a parable, but the way that we build doctrine is that if Jesus taught it, and then the early church practiced it, and then the rest of the New Testament epistles um, expound on it, that, that's how we get doctrine. So in order to get doctrine, you want to go to Romans, you want to go to Corinthians, you want to go to First and Second Timothy when you're going to build doctrine. So let me just give you a quick example. Um, the doctrine that we believe here at Calvary Church is 
a, a doctrine called eternal security, which means that if you're a born-again believer, you cannot lose your salvation. And we can certainly talk about that. Uh, but then some people will say, well, what about the parable of the sower, where the sower goes and he and he throws the seed out, and some receive the seed and they grow, but then it says that some fall on the rocky or the thorny ground and they, they grow up a little bit, but then they die off. Well, the purpose of the parable, again, was not to communicate doctrine. It's not teaching that you can lose your salvation. Some people will go to parables and they'll build doctrine that was never intended from that parable. Um, The purpose of that parable of the sower was to illustrate that there are different heart responses when the word of God is being preached. There's different kinds of soils that produce fruit. And so Jesus was using that as an illustration, um, but a, a parable can never override, of course, other scriptures. So one of the best ways for us to study uh, the, the the parables is to do it in the context of what other scriptures talk about. So again, some people would, would look at that parable and say, well, doesn't it look like you can lose your salvation? We would say, no, no, no. And we know that because there are many other places in scripture that tell us that you can't lose your salvation. Um, so uh, the, that that was sort of just a follow-up to a question I wanted to be sure to kind of add some clarity to there, that, that doctrines can communicate—I'm sorry, parables can communicate doctrine, um, but we cannot build doctrine solely on parables. We need the rest of Scripture, and this is true in any of our Bible reading, we need the rest of Scripture to interpret Scripture. That's how we know. That's the one of the best ways of knowing Um, how to come to the correct interpretation in a scripture, is what does other scripture say about it? And so there in Matthew 25, there's the parable of the talents. And so um, the, the master gives five talents to one, two talents to another, and one talent to his third servant. Uh, He leaves, he goes away. Um, The first two servants, they make a lot more money because they invest their talents, and then the, the, the last servant doesn't. He was afraid of the, the Lord, the master, so he buries his talent. Jesus, it's, Jesus says then that the Lord comes back, the master comes back, and he says to the first two servants, you guys have been wise because you've been faithful with the little that you have. But he says to the third servant, you've been foolish. And, and that master said, because you think I'm a hard man, and it says that that, that third foolish servant feared the master because he didn't know him at all. So somebody texted in, well, what does that mean? Is that, what's that speaking to? And so I, I think that parable in particular, again, it's in the context of the end times, um, but I think it's speaking of us being prepared. Matthew 24 and 25, the message, there's some specific things there to Israel, but to us as a church, it is be prepared, be ready for the return and the coming of Jesus Christ. And we've all been given much to steward. If you're a husband, you've been given a wife to steward. If you're a father, you've been given children to steward. If you're a mother, you've been given children to steward. If you're a pastor, you've been given churches to steward. And so we're responsible to steward the things that we have in light of the return of Jesus Christ. And so again, whether that parable is speaking to um, the kingdom, the millennial kingdom, that's a deeper conversation. That was actually the question that came in, but wanted to just add some clarity to those of you that uh, had potentially listened in on Wednesday, and I wanted to get that to you. So we have three lines that are now full. I'm going to give you the number, and uh, you can, once you hear us end a call, that that opens up another phone line, 303-690-3000, 3,000. And we have Josh here in Greeley. Josh, thank you so much for waiting. Hello, you there? Yes, I'm there. How you doing, Josh? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I didn't realize uh, Pastor Ed's in Israel. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of reports of uh, 
Jewish people spitting out Christians and you can't preach the word of uh can't preach Jesus Christ in Israel. I was wondering what your take is and uh, what have you heard from Pastor Ed? Yeah. Great, great question. And actually, that's that's funny. You didn't know that Ed was in Israel because uh, that's exactly they're in the in the midst of that right now. You know, it's interesting, Josh. I heard recently, and I and I don't know how true this is, but I, I've heard this from a couple of different people that uh, it, it's it is being discussed that it might be uh, illegal to share the gospel or to another person might say proselytize the gospel in Israel. I don't know if that is something that is in fact coming. I know that there's people that are saying that's coming or or potentially already enacted. Uh, I've been to Israel a couple times and at one of our trips, we were able to share the gospel, but, but what we weren't allowed to do is we weren't allowed to go up to people and say, Hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? Um, And, and so we weren't, able to necessarily approach people with the gospel, but we were able to respond if they had questions. So if, if somebody came to us and said, hey, what are you guys doing? Uh, w- you know, From there, we would hope to maybe steer the conversation to the gospel, which, which we would have been allowed to do. So what we did is we just set up some music. We did uh, had some, some speakers and some microphones and some guitars and, uh, and began to sing some songs and then had other people that were part of our group that were kind of just hanging out. They were singing along with the music. And from there, people would stop and listen and, and conversations would start. And we were allowed then to, um, to be able to respond to any questions that they had. So of course, the first question is, who are you guys? What are you doing here? And, and well, we're from America. We're a group of, of Christians. We're from a church and we're here because we love Israel and we're here to, to visit the land and to study the scriptures. And, and that's a, that was a great sort of a, a, a introduction at least to hopefully get the gospel to 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 the people there. Now it sounds like there's a potential that they're not wanting any kind of discussion of the gospel message. I don't know if that's, again, if that's truly um, what's happening, but I can say that while I, when I was there a number of years ago, this was probably 10 years ago, that it was in fact true that you weren't allowed to approach people with it, but you could respond to their questions. Yeah, okay, I was just wondering how true it was. It doesn't surprise me at all, but uh, whatever happens there, then it happen here, so it's got to... That's right, and I do know this. You know, Israel is always very volatile. That, that's why certain times you'll you'll we'll, we'll see things in the news, and that obviously then greatly impacts. Uh, churches like us that that want to send a group there. So I know that it is safe now to go to Israel. It's it's safe currently. Our, our pastor wouldn't take a whole team of people there if it wasn't. So it is still very, very worth visiting and being a part of um, just the, the joy of being in the land. Um, but, and that's kind of an encouragement maybe to people that are praying about wanting to go to Israel, because you never know when some of those doors will be shut or when those opportunities will be closed or, you know, Israel being this this trembling cup that Scripture talks about and all of the attention of, of world affairs seem to be so often focused on Israel that you never know if there's a, if there's a threat of war. Or, in fact, if war does happen, um, where those doors for us as Americans would be closed to be able to go visit the land. So, um, so again, pray for Pastor Ed. Pray for the team in Israel now. Um, I know that they would appreciate it, and I think their minds are just being blown by, by the good things that God's doing in their hearts. But, Josh, thank you so much for calling. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, God bless you. All right. God bless you, too. 
Uh, we have a line open, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. If you have a Bible question or a prayer request, we have Lou here in Denver with a question, I believe. Lou, how are you doing today? All right. How are you doing, Pastor Josh? Doing well. Thank you. Lou, do I know yeah, you? I feel um, like, do you attend the church here, Calvary Church? Yeah, I'm in the men's group there. Okay. I know who you are. Good to, good to hear your voice, Lou. I knew <laughs> right away. That's the voice of Lou. <laughs> right on hey and, and and i just want to say you're doing a fantastic job oh, really, hey. really appreciate the, the job you're doing on calvary live i love this man I, I appreciate that lou thank you it's it's new there's a lot behind the scenes that are going on but i got a great producer today gabe who is just killing it on the other side of the wall here so props to gabe as well all right <laughs> hey i was calling to ask about a uh, bible verse um Matthew chapter 23, verse 39, um, which reads, For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's the New International Version. Um, and I'm not sure what what that's referring to. Yeah, so I believe Jesus there, and, and we, it's, it's a great question because I just recently was in this text uh, sharing with a, a group of people a little bit about this. And so Jesus says there, you know, again, he came in into Jerusalem. This is before he was crucified that, that week uh, leading up to, to Easter, to Resurrection Weekend. And so he comes in on the donkey and, um, and they're saying, you know, they're, they're expressing their uh, their joy of Jesus coming in, believing that he was potentially the Messiah that was going to rescue them and save them from the Roman Empire's rule. And then Jesus goes up uh, onto the to the Mount of Olives. He looks out over Jerusalem, and there he says, man, he just he, it says he weeps. And, and in the Greek there, that word weeps means he's audibly convulsing, is, is literally what that means, because he sees these people and says, if you would have known this your day, the day for, of your salvation, then you would have received me. But he knew that Israel wouldn't receive him. In fact, they'd reject him just a few days later. Their fists would be in the air. Rather than palm branches, they would be raising their fists saying, um, crucify him, crucify him. And so he knew that was coming and he just had a broken heart saying, if I could gather you like a mother hen would gather her chicks under her wings, I would do that. That was his heart for his people. Then he says, which I think is your question, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus there is revealing something of the conditions surrounding his second coming. And we know that because this is Matthew 23, Matthew 24 and 25, then move on into our teaching on the end times. Uh, but, but Jesus is going to come again. And it says that the Jewish people will welcome him as the Messiah at that point, at, at, at the second coming, saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So it's going to take a great deal to bring Israel to that point. Um, and and as we read and study prophecy, we're going to know that the seven-year tribulation is going to be um, a catastrophic time on the earth. But there are going to be um, 144,000 Jewish sealed Jewish evangelists that are going to go out and preach the gospel, and they're going to preach to other Jewish people. So there will be more than 144,000 that will get saved. Um, we we believe that, in addition to Gentiles and others all over the world, those that are remaining. Um, but but as Israel comes to God, he promises he's going to do it. It's a promise that Israel will eventually welcome Jesus back, uh, even as, a, uh, as Paul says in Romans 11, uh, all Israel will be saved. And so that's what, that's what Jesus is referring to. He's brokenhearted because Israel's rejecting him uh, in that moment. 
but there's going to come a time he's going to come back for a second time. And, and at that point, at his second coming is when they'll, they'll say, um, believing that he, in fact, was the, is the Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay. Um, you brought up kind of a, a follow-up question for me. Um, I've always looked at end-time studies. I pretty much just take them, taken them as they come, but not really looked into it a whole lot. Pretty much gone with the with the verse that says he's coming like a thief in the night, you know, and just trying to live my life as as, as best I can, um, and and be as obedient as I can. Is there? I'm I'm kind of feeling like I need to get into some of this end time stuff. Is there a is there a good uh, reference material or book that you recommend? Yeah, absolutely. So so a a great I should say introduction that will walk you through the basics of end times theology. It'll explain to you the different positions that some different churches have. Um, and then it will, it will, he'll go into why we as a church uh, believe in what's called a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial eschatology. That word just means a study of end times. So we believe that Jesus is going to rapture his church before he pours out his wrath on the earth, which is going to be over the course of seven years. After he does that, then is when Jesus returns. Jesus, his, re- his return is what's called the second coming of Jesus. Um, and then he's going to establish on the earth here a thousand-year millennial kingdom. And, and that's important because he's going to do that because he's, he's fulfilling many, many, many promises that are all through the, the Scriptures, particularly the Old Testament, including many promises to Israel that are going to be fulfilled while he reigns on the earth for a thousand years. We'll be there with him. We'll be reigning with him. Uh, and then after that, um, it says that that's, that's when he's going to institute a new heavens and a new earth. That is the moment then that people will be... Um, the, the the separation of of uh, those that were never believers will stand before the great white throne judgment, and that's where sadly they will not have the opportunity to repent and turn to Jesus, where they're going to be cast into hell. And that's kind of the timeline for that. So there's a guy named Mark Hitchcock, and he wrote a big book. And don't let the book intimidate you because it's an easy to read book. It's called The End called The End. That's the title, The End. Mark Hitchcock, he does a, a great, great job um, on, uh, particularly for those that are newer to wanting to study eschatology. Uh, I would also just give you the name Ron Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S. He does a number of, of uh, great introductory books as well to prophecy. So the book, The End by Mark Hitchcock, uh, anything by Ron Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S would be great. And then if you are a bit of a student, those of you listening of eschatology and want something a little bit deeper, but will be very thorough and will work you through all of the prophetic passages in Scripture and really lay out in a very systematic kind of way. Um, It's a bit of an older book. I believe it was written back in the 50s. But it's by a guy named Dwight Pentecost, uh, and his book is a is a, a just such a, a an amazing resource. I think every Christian should have this in their library. Uh, it may not be easy reading for those that are new to the subject, um, but it's worth having. And it's called Things to Come, Things to Come by Dwight Pentecost. Um, so again, Ron Rhodes, anything by him regarding uh, the rapture, end times prophecy. Uh, I think the book I would recommend, Lou, is The End by Mark Hitchcock. That's a great, great book. Um, and then, of course, the the sort of next level book would be Things to Come by Dwight Pentecost. Great. 
appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for calling, Lou. Appreciate it. Thanks for your encouragement as well. And hopefully we can connect and catch up on any of this as well in person as well. I'd love to do that. All right. See you soon. All right. God bless you. All right. You're listening to Calvary Live. It looks like we're going to be coming up on a break here. So those of you that are waiting on the phone, I will get back to you. I see Olivia, you have a prayer request. So I'm looking forward to to praying with you. Uh, For the rest of you, we do have a line open, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Or if you'd like to text us, I'll be checking those out as well, 720-336-0897, 0897. Uh, and again, you're listening to Calvary Live, and this is a uh, privilege and a joy to be here with you. Um, we're, we're wanting to hopefully do our best uh, that we can to answer any Bible questions that you may have or to talk through maybe any particular issues that you're going through. I think a lot of times as we're reading the Bible, verses might come up that we're, we're confused about. We may hear somebody say something uh, that we want some clarity on. But also, just as a pastor, I'd love to be able to pray with you. And, I, and so if you have something that's on your heart, that's burdening you, that's weighing on you, um, that, that's, that's another opportunity that this show provides, is just an ability not only for you and I to pray, but for all of the listeners as well to come around what it is that's weighing you down or on your heart so that we can pray for you. So again, our number, 303-690-3000, and we will be back right after the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. All right, welcome back to our second half of Calvary Live. My name is Josh Sorensen, one of the assistant pastors at Calvary Church here in Aurora, Colorado, and it is a privilege for me and a joy, as particularly as the newer host uh, of some amazing hosts that have been a part of Calvary Live over its history. And I'm truly humbled to be a part of this and thankful for those of you that have just sent me texts and words of encouragement. So kind of you guys. Uh, by the way, there's a lot that happens on the show behind the scenes. There are computers. Uh, there's There's answering phone calls. There's a number of things that are happening. So there, it's a bit, of, a bit of multitasking. And if you talk to my wife, she would tell you, Josh is not good at multitasking and trying to talk while doing all of that at the same time. So um, so we always, any of us hosts, myself and Pastor Jeff Figs, Pastor Ed, uh, any of the other guest hosts, we would always appreciate your prayers for us as well, because this is to us a, an incredible ministry, because we know how far the reach of Grace FM uh, is is getting into people's homes and their cars. And, and we just, again, have a heart to want to, as simply as we can, communicate God's word, to be able to answer basic questions that people have about these things. Any kind of deeper theological questions are wonderful as well, but a lot of those we can handle offline, which again, we're always completely willing to do. Um, And then, of course, we've got the Radio by Grace Network that covers 77 stations throughout the nation, and Hope FM uh, on the East Coast, along with Truth FM and Higher Rock Radio. Uh, Those guys are a week delayed, so if you're listening there on the East Coast, then you're getting this a week later. Um, But you're welcome to call in and 
ask questions and send your prayer requests. In. And we, it's just such a joy for us to do this. And I just want to, again, express that to you that none of us take this for granted. It's, it's, a, it's a privilege for us. And we really pray that it's a, an encouragement to you. There's nothing beyond that that we want for you, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, and to, to trust even more in what God's Word says. What I love is His Word says it's living, it's active, it's sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces between the soul and the spirit to the bone and the marrow. In other words, it gets to a place in all of us where no human can speak to us, where no counselor or therapist or book could speak to us. Uh, God does something special and unique in us. Not even my wife uh, can speak to me the way that God's word can speak to me. And so to be able to just talk about his word, to pray for one another uh, is a joy. It, it truly is. So uh, again, thank you so much for tuning in to Calvary Live. I'm going to give the numbers out, although we have three full lines. But once we get through a call, you're welcome to to give us a call again. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. And those of you that are texting, you can text us on 720-336-0897. And I believe that we have... Uh, uh, waiting on the phone here, Pam from Maryland. Hello, Pam. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm fine, Josh. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. What, yeah. what part of Maryland are you from? Uh, Baltimore. Well, actually, Windsor Mill, Maryland. <laughs> yes, I'm familiar. My my parents live in Columbia, Maryland, right between Baltimore and D.C., so I'm sure you're familiar with Columbia as well. Yes, I am. Howard <laughs> County. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Howard County. Well, so good yeah. to talk to you today, Pam. How can I help you? Yes. Um, I've been experiencing a lot of uh, depression. Um, it started around, I think, the 7th of April, and it's pretty severe, and I'm just, I don't know what to do. I'm taking medicine now um, that helps. I don't know. I guess I thought it was helping. Some days I think it is, and then some days I don't think it is. <laughs> yeah. You said this This started, you said April? In the beginning of April. Okay. Was there anything in particular that, you, that that happened that you think kind of stirred this up, or is it did it just seem to come out of nowhere for you? It seems like it came out of nowhere. Okay, okay. Well, I'll, I'll just be honest and share with you that I've got um, family members currently in my family that battle depression um, and and severe depression. Uh, and myself, I have battled anxiety for the majority of my life. But but when I say that, I think some people hear anxiety and think, well, aren't we all anxious? But, but I would say a, a deeper level of anxiety, almost a cousin to depression, where at times in my life, it's been debilitating. Um, and so my heart does go out for you. And I, and I think, again, um, the, these things are so important. So I'm glad that you talked to a doctor and I'm glad that you're you're getting seen from a physical end because, of course, depression can be brought on by all sorts of physical um, experiences or health issues. It's, it's so complex. And then, of course, there's things that come into our life that are traumatic that will certainly bring about depression. I talked to a number of people who've lost loved ones. And, and so that will certainly stir up depression. And, and then, you know, there are those, um, as you're mentioning, that just see, sometimes it seems to come out of nowhere. Um, and uh, so, Pam, we'll pray for you. You know, there's the, the Lord gives us many wonderful promises in his word. Uh, and I just want to give you, as I pull up a couple here for you, um, just to speak to you in this moment before we pray for you, Pam. 
says in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. So Pam, while depression can make you feel lonely, the joy, the, 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 the confidence that we have is that God is there with you and he's not going anywhere. He promises that. I love Philippians chapter four, verse eight, uh, which many of us are familiar with. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Uh, and I think Paul, there's, is, is, he of course acknowledges that there's going to be difficult and dark times in our lives, but he gives a little bit of a prescription there to say that's also in the midst of that, as hard as it is, um, do the best that you can to, to take time to be grateful and to reflect on the things that are good that can lift your spirits. And so for me, uh, you know, I do a couple of things. I, I have found in my life a number of Bible promises that have been so helpful for me to just hold on to even when everything in me is screaming the opposite of what the promise says. You know, the first verse I gave you, Deuteronomy 31, is a great life promise that he's going to go with you. He'll be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Don't be discouraged. And yet you're sitting there thinking, well, I am discouraged and I do feel afraid and I do feel alone. But one of the things about the promises is that we can pray the promises, speak the promises, even when we don't believe the promises. But those promises, God says, every promise are yes and amen in Jesus. So he, he will never allow a promise to go unfulfilled. Every promise in him is true. Uh, and so we, we can hold on to that knowing that his promise will be fulfilled. Uh, so I found a couple promises. And if you don't know any of the promises of God and you're, and, and you're listening in right now, um, even a simple Google search, if you said Bible promises for depression, Bible promises for anger, Bible promises for anxiety, uh, or whatever it is that you're battling, and then you can, it'll give you some specific Bible passages, Bible verses around those topics, and you can find one or two or three that really speak to your heart, write them down, put them in your phone, write them somewhere on a three by five card, put it on your mirror in your bathroom, put it in your kitchen, just so you're continuously reminded of the promises of God despite our circumstances. Again, it's not a quick fix. It doesn't mean that that the, the depression fades, but it does give us a place to reset our hearts and our minds and our affections again, because depression, though it feels hopeless, it's not hopeless. It's not the end of the story. God uh, is, is often bringing us up out of the pits of despair and despondency. And oftentimes those promises breathe life into what it is that God wants to do. And, and then I would also say for anyone listening, and, and certainly for you as well, Pam, to be just to as much as possible be filling your heart and your mind with God's word, with worship music, Grace FM is a great uh, platform for that because you're going to get both. You're going to get good teaching, Bible, trusted Bible teaching. Um, but but I love to just put on worship music. And so much of the time, what I find worship music does for me is it stirs up faith in me. And so when I'm mentally fatigued and I'm physically exhausted and I'm overwhelmed and, I'm, and, and sorrow feels like a weight on my chest, uh, there's been moments and times in my life where just the the lyrics of the worship um, stir up in me the truth that I know is there, though it feels like it's buried. I know it's there, and God is so wonderfully able to oftentimes use worship to, to do what the psalmist says in Psalm 121, to lift my eyes up to the heavens. 
because that's where my help comes from. And and so, Pam, I'd love to be able to pray for you. And uh, if there's anything else we can do for you, or if you, again, just need someone to talk to, we as a church are always available. Uh, I'm sure you have your home church as well, but just uh, to pray for you um, and, and to process with you any of this as well, we, we would love to do that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So, Lord, I just lift up my sister, Pam, and uh, Lord, the, the pain, the depression, uh, that she's going through, Lord, particularly as it's been more recent, Lord, within the past two, two and a half weeks, just kind of seem to come out of nowhere. You understand what that is, Lord, why it, it came into her life at this time. Um, God, you, you're you aware, your word says, of every thought before we think it, of a word before we speak it. You You see the beginning and the end. There's nowhere we can go where you are not there. You know even the number of hairs on our head, Lord. And and wonderfully, your word says that uh, if we could count the number of grains of sand, that that would be, uh, that, that your thoughts towards us are even more than the grains of sand, Lord. Uh, and I know that that is true to, in Pam's life right now, that you think about her. Jesus, that you intercede for her and you pray for Pam and you go to the Father on her behalf. And Holy Spirit, you are there to comfort Pam and to come alongside of her and to minister to her. And depression is no joke. And, and, it, and it, it, it can be very, very debilitating and very, very scary and very, very dark. Uh, and for some of us, it's seasonal. Uh, for some of us, it's situational. For some of us, it's a lifelong, ongoing battle. And so for Pam, God, again, you are aware of her. And so I pray you'd minister your peace and your presence to her. Uh, and for the rest of our listeners as well, that your presence would be more real, um, Lord, than perhaps ever before, that it would be felt that as we open up your word and we begin to dig into these promises, that, Lord, you would speak, that your word, the words would rise off the page and minister to us, and that we wouldn't grow weary on the days when we just don't sense your presence or when it feels like our prayers bounce off the ceiling uh, or when we're questioning, God, where are you, Lord? Because, again, you have guaranteed that you are with us, even when we don't feel your presence, that you will never leave us, even if in our hearts we feel abandoned, uh, the, that your truth, Lord, will prevail. Your promises will, will be, you'll be faithful to every one of your promises. As a matter of fact, you say, and this will be just an encouragement to Pam, you who began the good work in her, you will be faithful to complete it. There's another promise, Lord, that you're going to complete the good work, even through um, all that we go through, the loss of loved ones, um, Lord, mental health issues, depression, anxiety. Lord, you, you, those things are no match for the goodness of God and the grace of God. Um, and so I just pray you'd walk through this now with Pam and with those that are listening that could just say, man, I'm right there with her. I, I know exactly what she's saying. I'm feeling that myself, Lord. So please minister, Lord, in the way that only you can when we trust you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Amen and amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much, Pam, for calling and appreciate you. And uh, yeah, the Lord is with you. So continue to, to press into him even when it's hard. And he, he'll he'll see you through this. I believe that. Thank you. And the Lord is with you, too. Thank you, Pam. Amen. God bless you. All right. You are listening to Calvary Live. The phone number, if you'd like to give us a call. Again, if you, like Pam, would just like prayer for something, we'd love to do that. If you have a question, we'd love to be able to help answer that. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. And we have Olivia calling here from Amarillo, Texas. Hello, Olivia. 
try that again. Olivia, are you there? Reminds me of the song, uh, Olivia is calling, and yet I don't hear from Olivia. So, Olivia, if you uh, if we drop the call, you want to try calling us back again? Uh, we'd love to. It looks like you had a prayer request there. 303-690-3000. Uh, and so, Mike in Charleston, South Carolina. Are you there, Mike? Wonderful. It sounds like we're breaking up just a little bit. If that's uh, if if you have your radio turned up, that could be it. If you want to turn your radio down, uh, or perhaps it's a it's a cell issue. I'm not sure. Are you are you there? It's, it, I'm here. It's the sun is showing out in a rural area at the moment. Can you hear me? Having some trouble. Sounds like maybe a, a cell reception uh, issue, unfortunately. But uh, I'm going to do my best to try to answer your question, Mike. So sorry about that. Sometimes I know the. The cellular reception in certain areas are not great, um, but it looks like your question is in Revelation chapter two verse nine and Revelation chapter three verse nine. Uh, it references their Satan's synagogue, uh, and so your question is who belongs to and who attends Satan's synagogue. Um, and this again, it's interesting. Sometimes, how sometimes on Calvary Live here, there seems to be a theme of, of uh, questions that come in. I love it. Um, so today it seems to be there's a lot of questions regarding either Israel or the end times. Um, and so this is happening in the midst of the letters to the seven churches. So Jesus is, is speaking to the churches, and as he's speaking to the churches, there's seven of them, uh, that there are, there are letters that are written to these churches. Um, and so this is one of the letters that is written here to the church in Smyrna uh, in chapter 2. And it references there the the synagogue of Satan. And what exactly is the synagogue of Satan? What does that mean? Uh, and then who are the people that are attending there? So a couple things about the letters to the seven churches, just to keep in mind that these letters to the seven churches are seven actual churches back when the Apostle John was getting the revelation. So this question is, re- is, is a specific question to a specific church. So let's remember that first and foremost. So when it speaks there, the synagogue of Satan, and, we'll, and I'll, I'll answer that question, just want to keep in mind that it's, it's speaking specifically there of a, a, a literal church. On top of that, what's wonderful is these letters to the seven churches have also been a picture of the churches throughout church history. So as we study church history, we see in segments of times the churches being in different places, uh, struggling perhaps with different issues as a whole. And so these letters address almost the sequence of churches throughout church history prophetically, which is so wonderful and beautiful. But then these these seven letters to the seven churches also apply to us, our churches today. And I think we could find either ourselves as individuals or our churches in all of the seven letters to the seven churches. There are both affirmations. There are things that are said in these letters that are good things. Like Jesus is saying, I see your good work. I see the things that you're doing. I see how you're serving. And I commend you for that. But then Jesus also, in, in all but one of the letters, gives a word of of, of condemnation, uh, commendation, and he's he is correcting there. And so he'll say, for example, your, your works as a church are looking great. You're doing a lot of good things, but you've left your first love, he says. And then so then he gives a remedy. So here's what you do. Repent of the things, go back to your first love, do the things that you did at the beginning. And so 
I would encourage you guys, Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is a great study uh, to study the, the seven letters to the seven churches. Uh, but here to the church in Smyrna, and again, it references it in chapter 3, um, it says they're blasphemy of those who say, uh, say that they are Jews, but they are of the synagogue of Satan. And so Mike from Charleston asks, who belongs to or who attends this? Um, and we and we know this that um, the Jews couldn't stand Christians. They persecuted Jesus, and then they began to persecute his followers. And, the, and this is particularly in the early church days. Um, and they were rejecting Jesus, working against Christianity. And so Jesus takes this a step further to say, uh, you know, on top of that, that this is Satan that's behind the scenes of this. That Satan is is part of what is happening there, that, that he is impacting the ways that people are thinking about the church. Uh, but on top of that, he says to the church in Philadelphia that he's actually speaking specifically there to a church that has idol worship. And this idol worship, one, one of the idol worship, uh, the idols that they're worshiping, or I should say the gods that they're worshiping there was known as the synagogue of Satan. Um, that, that was one of the things it was known as, as they would have temples and places of worshiping God. Uh, and so Jesus speaking to the churches here is, is speaking specifically there to the idol worship that's taking place. Uh, there, there was... Uh, in, in particularly in, in the Church of Philadelphia in Revelation chapter three, uh, it was the main communication point of Rome. But there was something called the grape, the Great Grape Valley that was there, and Dionysus was there, the god of wine and revelry. There were other temples and altars to false gods. Philadelphia was called a little Athens for all of the idol worship that it had there, and in all of these things, there was a particular uh, temple that was erected and set up for one of the 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 gods. And I'm drawing a blank here on which god that was in particular. Um, but uh, as it was set up, it was referred to in those days as the synagogue of Satan because of all of the evil things that were happening in those days. And, and again, the persecution of the Christians that was happening. And so Jesus is speaking uh, specifically there to those people that are um, acknowledging uh, that they have been a part of perhaps some of that idol worship, or they've been a part of uh, the synagogue of Satan. So again, a literal letter to a literal church speaking there. But to us, of course, today too, there is just a challenge that Satan is behind so many of the things that the church can get involved in today as well. And though the synagogue of Satan is not a, a, a particular place today uh, per se, uh, it certainly is the scripture speaks of Satan being the prince of the power of the air and that this world is the realm that he is currently controlling. Um, and so, so much of what we're up against today as the church and as Christians is because Satan uh, controls the, the, the world uh, in the sense of the mindset and the views and the beliefs that the world is pushing towards us and towards our children. And so we as a church need to be careful that we are mindful of that, that we're discerning. Uh, even the things that we're hearing on YouTube from preachers and other pastors and watching on television, just, you know, again, to, to be mindful of those things because um, so much of, of some of the doctrine that's coming out, the teaching that's coming out, Satan is behind it. And so these churches, Smyrna and, Revel and, and Philadelphia and Revelation 2 and 9, we're getting caught up in some of that. And we need to... I just, 
just think the exhortation for us as a church is to be mindful and to be careful that we are doing what the Bereans did, as Paul said. They heard Paul preach. They loved what Paul preached, but it says they went back to study uh, and, and to see if these things were in fact true. And Paul says those Bereans are counted as noble for doing that. And of course, Paul says to young Timothy, hey, Timothy, study to show yourself an approved workman. And so that that's important when it comes to all the issues that we're facing today in our world, uh, when it comes to false teaching that's coming out of, of, of churches. It's just an, an important exhortation, I think. So I hope that that answered your question uh, about the synagogue of Satan there, brother. And we do have a few minutes left, so I'll give out the phone number one more time, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. And I do see that there are some prayer requests that are coming in, uh, so we will be sure to get to every one of those. If we don't get to them here on the show, we will absolutely pray for every single prayer request that's coming in by way of, of the telephone calls or the text line. And that text line is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can get that at 720-336-0897, 720-336-0897. Uh, one of the texts here that came in, I had a question about how to deal with difficult people in ministry, specific to those we co-labor with, especially when encountering frustration within the ministry. How do we respond in love when it's not the easiest thing to do? And that, man, is a very, very real question. Uh, I remember one preacher who I love, I believe it was Charles Swindoll, it was Charles Swindoll, uh, that said, ministry would be so easy if it wasn't for people. And, uh, and of course, the point is being made, ministry is all about people. That's what it's meant to be about. But, but dealing with people, you're going to have issues and you're going to have problems. And even in ministry, even in a, in a, on a wonderful church team, it sounds like this particular person might be part of a ministry or a church where there's, there's co-laborers um, that are frustrating, that are difficult to work with. And, you know, there's many ways that we could go about this, but I think what I would do, and I have been in this place, by the way, many times, and I will be honest and say, I have probably been the person that has frustrated others as well. So uh, this goes both ways, right? Like, how do I want to be treated when I find out I'm the one that's frustrating people or or bothering people uh, because of my personality or because of things that I, I, I say or believe or teach or whatever it might be? Um, so... Pray, number one, take that to the Lord, lift up that person um, and ask the Lord to begin to do a work in your heart, a work of love. The fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience uh, are coming from the Holy Spirit himself. And so if we're not being filled daily with a, with a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, uh, and if we're not, as Jesus says, connected into the vine, then we're not going to bear that kind of fruit. And it's going to be very difficult to love because we don't love difficult people naturally. That doesn't come naturally to us. That's why it's so easy for all of us to be in a car and to get so frustrated at the car that cuts us off or the person that's driving real slow in front of us. Because it just naturally, we don't go out of our way to just love people. But when we're filled with the Spirit, the fruit of that love begins to overflow. So I would say, again, if it's me, I would I would want to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I'm bringing my heart to you in this? And are there areas I'm missing something? Or Lord, am, have I not been seeing them as a blood-bought son or daughter of God Most High who loves them and knows them? 
and, and, and someone that's created in God's image. So help me, Lord, to have the heart for them that you have, because my heart for them right now is not that. It's not postured towards love and grace and mercy. It's really postured more towards me being bothered and upset and frustrated, and they're getting on my nerves, and I don't know how much longer I can handle this. So we can be honest with the Lord about those things. I think that's wonderful. And, and then secondly, I think if, it, if it's an ongoing problem and the Lord doesn't deal with it, because sometimes the Lord will just deal with that between you and him wonderfully. Um, but if the Lord doesn't deal with that uh, and the issue is continuing, then I think it's important to go address the person. And that can be super awkward, but just to go to them and, and in, in a spirit of grace and in a spirit of love, um, express to them that you're having a hard time, but that you want this to be reconciled and you want this to be off the table. Um, and again, we can go talk to somebody and give our bodies to, uh, you know, uh, sacrifice our bodies, give all that we have to the poor, Paul says. But if we don't do it in love, we're just a noisy gong or a clashing symbol, and it's going to accomplish nothing. So I think that goes back to just us saying, God, would you fill me with love for the people I work with? And I, and I know that there's a, this is a nuanced question. There's probably more that you were unable to ask in your text. Uh, again, if I can do anything further, you could, you could text back uh, if there's any other added uh, information you, you'd like me to address, I'd be happy to do that as well. I believe we've got two minutes. Is that right, Gabe? Uh, so I have somebody on the line. Unfortunately, Janice, we're, we're not going to be able to get to you live on the air here. I'm so sorry, just because of the time we have. But I do have your question, a very important question. Why do I still want to use drugs and alcohol at the age of 71? And uh, so, Janice, I'm, I'm so sorry that addiction um, has been such a struggle. And uh, I understand from many, many people, including many friends and loved ones, the, the hold that addiction has on people. I would just want to encourage you with this. I, I, I don't fully understand why addiction is not completely eradicated from our life. I think sometimes that might be the consequence of just us opening ourselves up to drugs and alcohol at one point in our past. And then that hunger, that craving can always be there. But the Lord has promised that he gives power over sin and addiction in our lives. And, and, I, and I don't ever want you to think that you can't overcome this, that God can't come and be the way maker, the miracle worker, the chain breaker. Uh, that is who God is. He is in the business of redeeming and restoring. Again, that doesn't mean he'll take temptation away from us. Uh, that doesn't mean that the scars of things from our past won't be there in our present. That doesn't mean that we won't struggle with these things, but we will not need to give into them. And so, Janice, if you haven't read 1 Corinthians 10, 13 in a while, uh, I would encourage you to, to, to go to that, look at it, pray over it together. It's a wonderful verse that will encourage you that no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to everybody. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but will help you find a way out of it. That's a promise for you, Janice, today, and for anyone else listening that's battling addiction as well. So thank you again for listening to Calvary Live. We are at the close of our day. I will be back with you on Wednesday and next Friday. Looking forward to it. God bless you guys. Grace and peace. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.